Welcome to episode 519 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 519 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good. You may have noticed today when you turned up, I was chewing chewing gum. I did notice something smelled a little different around here. Well, it was, uh, the reason was because if I hadn't used chewing gum, John, uh, you wouldn't want to be close to me. I've brushed my teeth before I came. Did you? Two things have happened in my life recently. I've started drinking coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I just thought mm. in the morning... Well, you are if you drink coffee in the morning. Well, no, but, no, but I never <laughs> have done that in the last... Two weeks I've started doing it. Yes. Because I've read some research saying, bro, for your brain, it's good, you know, have one coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Think, I didn't realise coffee gives you, John, a stinky breath, man. <laughs> it gives you stinky breath, man. And I'm, I'm not used to it because it kind of sits on your, your kind of your yeah. tongue for a few hours afterwards. So yeah. I don't actually like that about coffee. Joe's not complaining. She's Well, no, because she's a coffee drinker. I think she's always a little bit conscious of the smelly breath herself because she has one in the morning, I think one in the afternoon. Um, so... So a little bit of that, but then last night we went out for dinner. We went to um, the Carlton. Have you been to the Carlton for a meal? It's a pub. No, well, it's quite. It's actually they've got a gastro pub. Yeah, but it's not. It's actually pretty classy. Right. Yeah, and I have to say, actually, probably one of the best restaurants in town. Right. It's quite pricey. It's a a big. But I've been there twice, John, and it's delivered on all aspects of the food. So I highly recommend it. Is it in the entertainment book? Highly unlikely based (laughs) on how much I paid for the meal last night. <laughs> My main was I think well, I don't know what we paid. We had we had a, a runners function, so I put on the business. So you kind of went nice. to business paying for it. You don't yeah. really think about it. Yeah. But um, so uh, but I had I had beautiful piece of steak with garlic butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. didn't want to be close to me. Yeah, this you morning. stay over there. No interviews yeah. today. So yeah, I did think to myself. I thought we were interviewing. That's why I had the gum. Right. So yes. I, I was thinking I got to look after John here. Anyway, I'm talking. proudly brought to you by. Athletes.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. Oh, our patrons, and these are some of the rock stars of the show. John, you go first. Damien, the $100 Bill Bennett. $100 Bill. We've got Paul, the Tiger Monroe. James, the Wise One Botel. Richard, don't mess with the scary beer, Waddington. And Gareth, the Mighty Flynn Flynn. Nice, love your work. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me and it's all very obvious on the page. Okay, guys, well, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a statistic. Is the website of the week the Coach's Corner? Yes. Uh, no, the website of the week is um, just a link to a site. Okay. And the Coach's yeah. Corner is that website that got sent through, is it? Uh, that's just a tip. Quick tip. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, the website looks pretty good, isn't it? It is. It delivered big time, man. This guy's mm. done some great work. Uh, my first try, and we've got some patrons at the end of the show. So, Jumbo, we're doing the show on a Monday morning. Normally, we record on a Tuesday, but I'm heading off to Thailand tomorrow. So, we're recording basically the next three shows in the next couple of hours. We're committed. So. It's a public holiday. Public holiday. It's 5.27 in the morning. Yep, and early. when I drove around here, I did not see one single person out on the streets. No, like not that. one single car. I remember one time so. years ago, I, when I was doing Ironman, I had one of those periods where I was kind of falling off the wagon for my training and I woke up in the middle of the night and I hadn't been, I was meant to do like a two and a half hour run that night mm-hmm. or that day and I hadn't done it and it, it, enough was enough and I woke up at 11.30 and did my two and a half hour run. Nice. Yeah. And as stupid as it was, I kind of loved it because it was kind of just strange. You know what mm. I mean? Like no one was on the streets. 
you had the world to yourself. It was actually quite a nice night, kind of calm. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but cool. I don't know. We've been having that since, since I started doing these early morning rides. You're out there and there's nothing. It's a yeah. bit dark and it's a bit cold, but it's great. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So there you go. Um, anyway, so we don't have necessarily a lot of info about Ironman France. We've got the, the winners, but we don't really know necessarily what happened in the race. But based on what we're seeing in front of us, John, it looks like the men's race was pretty exciting. Very much so. So it's still in progress, actually, in terms of uh, for age groupers. So it's probably about 7.30 at night over there. Uh, Victor Del Corral took it out, which was probably a bit of a surprise. We were thinking Frederick Van Leerd, Van Leerd versus James Carnemar. But uh, And when I checked it out a couple of times last night, he wasn't in the top 10, Victor Del Corral, because he's a lot weaker swimmer. He only swam 54 minutes versus the lead guys were swimming 50 minutes. So he was four minutes down, so I was watching, and it was still only about halfway through the bike ride. But he matched those dudes on the bike, uh, riding a 4.48, uh, but then came through with a 2.42. Yeah. So again, all season long so far this year, we're just seeing this consistently awesomely fast runs well and this is the thing about this race we've got like five or six guys sub 250 mm. which is you don't see that a lot no and you know normally we're to watching races and the guys are running 250 yeah you know you get one going out of 250 but most are going one or two to, but yeah get five so and just loads of guys under three hours it is a very um pancake flat fast course over there but it's not a stupidly fast time no Eight and uh, a half. No, but the bike, it's a challenging bike course. Is it? Very challenging. Okay. So Victor Del Corral took it out. He swam 54, rode 4.48 and ran a 2.42. So he was several minutes faster than everybody else on the run for an 8.30, but only 35 seconds in front of James Carnemar, who he must have passed at some stage, you would have thought towards the end of the run. There's no reports yet for us. Uh, who James Carnemar swam 50 minutes, rode 4.47 and ran 2.47 for an 8.30, 30 seconds. You see them just at the road, don't you? Oh, yeah. That hurts. And you know. then uh, only a couple of minutes back was Stefan Schmidt, and then a couple of minutes behind that was Frederick Van Leerd. Are we surprised by Van Leerd's result here? Well, you know, he had a broken collarbone uh, yeah, only a matter of months ago, yeah. so, yeah, not really. <laughs> and maybe he didn't push it. You know, yeah. you never know these guys who, who don't need the points, so they just need to, to validate. Is he, when, he had, when did he win Kona? Because you get five years, don't you? Yeah, I think it was 2012. Last uh, the time before I raced, we went would have been 2012. Or okay. Was it 2013? One of the yeah, other. Project 2014. Oh, I raced it? 2014. I think it was. So I, was, I think it was 20, 2012. It was either 2012. Yeah, because we were there when you were we? No, or we were not there. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Okay. Yep. <laughs> my life, no, my past it's life a, is it's a blur. A, it's a blend. <laughs> and uh, so fantastic racing, good stuff. And then on the girls' side of things. We had, um, excuse me, uh, we had Tina Dickers take it out, 57 swim, 505 on the bike, 313 run, 922 from Emma Bilam from Switzerland and Leander Cave uh, in third place. Now, yes, she won. That was more than five years ago. So that, do they only get it for five years now, is it? Yeah, wasn't it? When they brought out the, the point system, basically you get five years worth of qualification once you run Kona. I'm pretty mm. sure that was the deal. Well, there's definitely a ruling. I thought it was maybe more than that. But, well, um, how would I, I Google search that? How long does the Kona winner get? Uh, no, I think I can. You, you, okay. I, I, I think I'll be able to find that. Okay, so we had uh, uh, then Emma Bilham in second place, and she did a 9.28, so she was only five minutes behind. But Leander Cave was quite a far, quite wide, but she was 25 minutes behind or 23 minutes behind the winner. She did a, a 9.45. So as we're saying, Leander is 
Yeah, a little bit longer in the tooth now. Um, been around for a long time, so you know maybe that, that peak of her career is behind her. Outside of that, oh, I was pretty close racing for four, third and fourth. Um, Leslie Dilmichael Miller from the USA. She came in in fourth place, only basically 30 seconds behind Leander as well. So some really good racing happening in France. And uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see some of the stories of the race because it's going to be pretty interesting stuff. John's looking and he's not looking very happy. I'll find it eventually. Mm. I'll find it eventually. Oh, my job. Okay, well, also over the weekend we have Challenge Venice sorry, and we were looking at the website before, team, and I'll tell you what, when it comes to cool swims, if the photo we see on the website is the proper photo, this swim looks amazing, doesn't it, John? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, often you have these races, you know, like I'm in New York, and you're kind of in New York for, for five seconds, minutes, yep. whereas this the swim, and, and based on the picture on Facebook, you're swimming right down in Venice. It looks pretty cool. It looks amazing. Yeah. Like, cause I always thought the Wanaka had the most beautiful swim in the world. Yes. Because Wanaka is crystal clear, pretty yeah. cold, but... You kind of you, each time you breathe, you're turning. You, you almost want to see the view as you're breathing, so it's kind of stunning. But this is a bit more of a picturesque because you're kind of in, in Venice and you're kind of swimming down one of the canals, and it's. Bevan, you were right. Former pro F, pro athlete Ironman world champions using the five-year exemption to enter the 2016 Kona race will be required to validate the entry from racing competitively, as determined by Ironman and Ironman's. In Ironman's sole discretion in finishing one Ironman branded Kona qualifying race, excluding the 2015 Ironman World Championships during the 2016 qualifying period. So Pete Jacobs, this will be his last year because they right. know in 2011. Yeah, yeah. yeah so this will be Pete Jacobs' last year to get the free qualification. Mm. Now, do they always get a free entry for life just to race the race? I wonder if that's a. Surely they do. That's a good thing for the race to have the old champs here. They don't necessarily always do things that are good for the race. Yeah. Yeah, but I wonder, we have to ask Molina. Does, yeah. does Molina still get a free entry if he wants to pop along and do the race? I'm going to say no. But Molina, when you're listening, pop us an email. Tell us if you do. Yeah, because I think it's a pity if they don't. Because what, how many people was it? 60 people? How many yeah. people are going to do it? Two? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, for, for, for the cost of, and it's not even 60 people because you have multiple winners. So, yeah. you know, it's probably what, 30 people with one Ironman Kona. Yeah. You know, and of that, how many people are still racing? Well, bugger all. Yeah. And of that, who still wants to race? So you probably look at maybe at max five people a year yeah. to have at your race. Well. It's a good thing. But yeah, so this is Pete Jacobs last year to actually get the free qualification. Mm. So yeah, so, and then it'll be uh, Freddie's last year next year. Although those mm -hmm. guys can easily qualify, but still. So yeah, Challenge Venice. Challenge so Venice, it looked like a, so a fantastic swim. The race looks cool. They've only really got what's been updated on their Facebook. And as, as with uh, France, the race is still underway, so I can't see any results. Uh, but Erica Chomor took out the girls' race, followed by Martina Dugana and Carla Van Huyen in third place. And on the guys' side of things, it does look like he's got his time there, which is about 8 Nine uh, when he's crossed the finish line. Dirk, when when Nada wins the first edition of Challenge Venice with Sergio Marquez second and Malta Burns in third. What a fantastic race! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Who says that? That's what uh, Challenge Venice says. Oh, they said on their Facebook page. Well, fair enough. 
that's the key to life is just up, up yourself yes you know but hope they got their run accurate because they've got the picture of their finish line there and it right it says 3.8 dash 180 dash 42.195. Get it right. Go Got to make sure you get that marathon distance right. We had the Christchurch Marathon here, here yesterday. It was a fast day. And not but, not in, but, the, in the elite guys. But people are saying the marathon was round. It was long. Well, when we look at the halves, either I'm doing a great job as a coach, mm. which I'll, I'll definitely take credit for. But my team had because like, when we so if we look at our race race season, we do Queenstown, which is a kind of a slow race because it's kind of beautiful but undulating mm. and not not um, concrete surfaces. Then we do Wanaka, and Wanaka is our hey, everyone look, you look like a great coach because everyone gets a PB downhill because it's kind of downhill and it's a perfect false flat, like mm. it's perfect you know downhill basically. It's not steep, just kind of you lean into it perfectly and you're gonna it's kind of at least five minutes faster than Christchurch. Mm. So as a coach, in Christchurch is always a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> Because yeah. people go to Wanaka, they smash out a PB, and they, they kind of think they can beat that in Christchurch, and you might get one or two people who can beat it, but really, it's yeah. not going to happen. Well, yesterday, it, pretty much everyone who beat Wanaka took like five minutes off their Wanaka time. That was accurate. I had, I had some guys running the half. So, yeah, yeah. so obviously, well, obviously, I'm a great coach. Great coach, <laughs> yeah. But it was just really interesting because, but yeah, it seemed to be pretty, it was perfect conditions. Yes. You couldn't have got a better day for running. Yeah. But it was perfect conditions. Um, but yeah, no, so it was pretty interesting stuff. Nice. Very good. Where were we leading to with that? Uh, whether the courses were accurate or not. Challenge Venice. And the good thing was, logistically, I think this was a much more successful course because actually we had a bit of a disaster with the Christchurch Marathon. Yes. People couldn't get to hospital. It was always a problem. Babies were being <laughs> delivered on the side of the street. Hey, hey what a day. Exactly. <laughs> We've already got to run their marathon. <laughs> but the commentator was amazeballs. I made a joke to the stalker, actually, and I don't think she really got it because I was, I, Zani was standing across from me on the barrier, and I go, Oh, surprised to see you here or something like this, meaning she was stalking me because yeah. <laughs> AK, she was right across from me and I was like, you can't escape the stalker. And I don't think she heard me and then she said something back, I didn't really hear her and it was, it was definitely a missed moment. So if you, Zania, if you thought I was a bit weird then, A, you probably think that all the time yeah. and B, I just reinforced that. So. Exactly. Okay. Um, we had the world ITU World Duathlon yeah. Champs at the weekend, Richard Murray. Uh, made has made a comeback and taken that out in 142.18 from Emilio Martin from Spain and Jorik van Egdorm from the Netherlands. So we're talking about Freddie van Leer coming back from a broken collarbone and Richard Murray equally is doing the same thing and his was didn't seem that long ago. Gold Coast, I think he did it, which was in... Gold Coast would have been in uh, April. Yeah, April, I would have thought. So... Basically taking about six weeks off and back into it, back into winning. So he's obviously kept the training up on the indoor trainer and getting ready for the Olympics. So he's still one of the you know, one of the favourites outside your your main sort of one or two um, to do very well in Rio. So definitely a chance for a medal. And then on the girls' side of things, we had Emma Bloody Poms. They're yeah. winning everything. Yep. She had a good race. She did have a good race. My goodness, there's so many. When you have five-year categories, there is just categories I for Africa. I wonder if actually did the overall race. I wonder if I can figure that out. Oh, no, no. You've got a lot of categories there to get through. Yeah. So I find it. Far out. Yeah, they've got a lot of categories. Emma Pallant took it. The girls' race, 1 hour 56.45 by seven seconds from Andrea Stain from the Republic of South Africa. Republic and of South Africa. Garcia Carfellas was in third place. Wow, how'd you get Carfellas out of that? Uh, 
No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, no you're probably right. I'm just like... Yeah, it's a, no, it's a pretty straightforward one. Yeah. My reading's exceptional. Well, where's the end? What does the end <clears> sound like? Where's the end? There's no end. I'm, you, I'm blind and you can't read. So together, Margarita, Garcia, Caniellis, I would have said. There's no end there. Oh, no, sorry, I'm wrong. It looked like an R and an F to me together. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one of those little things above the yeah, end. I was like, where's the end? Where's the end? <laughs> I'm sure it's an end, but I know nothing about Spanish. Oh, dear. There we go. So. 5, 5.40 in the morning. Not, not our strongest. Are you pretty blind, are you? Uh, apparently so. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I'm lucky with. I haven't lost my sight yet. Because so, my parents started to lose it as they age, but, you know. Anyway, um, good work to those doing it. And I know a lot of people actually did the duathlon champs. I've mm-hmm. a friend, I go, I know Clint Morrison, he did it. And he was a bit injured, unfortunately, going into it. So he kind of probably wouldn't have the day he was hoping for. But still, you know, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It must suck when you kind of, you know, when you've got a big goal and you've oh, trained yeah, really yeah. well and then close to it, you kind of get that injury that's just, you know, like a calf. Not the end of the world injury, but it's means you just nice. can't yeah, race yeah. how you want to race. And it's in the back of your mind. Yeah. Ooh. You know, you can't really push, which is a bit of a bugger. But anyway, so well done. The, it's a pity duathlon's not a bigger sport, John. I was thinking this yesterday because I knew you were going to say this and you were going to say, whatever happened to duathlon? Why is it not big enough? <laughs> I don't think no, I, didn't, I just said it's a pity it's not. I changed my tone. But the, the, the thing with duathlon is you can do it anywhere. I know. And, you know, we could do, a, you know, I got thinking, I was thinking, you do a downtown duathlon, you know, Yep. Super sprint stuff. Uh, a couple of laps. You can do them anywhere. Yeah, it'd be a rock star race. So maybe we just need to be a bit more innovative in terms of race directors and stuff and actually do some cool stuff in really cool locations. But one of the things that seems to be an offshoot of the sport right now is this, you know, the swim run races. They seem to be quite popular. Mm. And you kind of think, surely duathlon's easier to run than that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and also the market. Because swimming, the pro- biggest problem with triathlon is the swim. Mm. You know, and accessibility for people who aren't really athletes. You mm. know, so like, kind of strange that duathlon. It's a pity. It's never as big. Give me ideas. I'm going to do a downtown <laughs> duathlon. That'd be pretty cool because you could mm. do laps around the, the the lake. Yeah. Or the river going through town, and then yeah. you could, you know, exactly do laps, and runs. You could almost have a run lap on the inside lane and a soccer lap on the outside lane, mm-hmm. and crowds on the outside. Yeah. Oh, sell corporate boxes. Absolutely. Like millions, John. Do relays and stuff. So race directors out there. Get a bit more innovative. There we go. Okay, what do we got coming up, John Boo? Uh, so we've got the Schloss Triathlon. Schloss, that yeah. is a great... Where's that? In Morinsburg in Germany. That's Schloss. Yeah. Schloss, just Schloss. the uh, Ballot, Balloton Man in Hungary. We've got Challenge Denmark. Nice. We've got the Iron Corsair in France. And uh, that's about it. And then we've also got coming up Ironman Cairns Regional Championship, Asia Pacific Championship. Now, actually, I interviewed Pete Jacobs last week just privately. Did a private, oh, private, <laughs> private <laughs> interviewer, an interviewer for money. Um, we're not going to put it on to next week because we're away next week and we talk a little bit about the race, but admittedly, most of the interviews are not about the race. But he's feeling pretty good. Good. Yeah, he's in a good place. Okay. He's, you know, like he's kind of felt that this year, it's really interesting talking to him actually. I think you guys will really enjoy the interview because A, Pete's in a pretty open book, which is great. But B, just some of the things he's done to kind of find himself again. Mm. Um, he's, got, he's used some pretty interesting strategy. One thing he does, because sleep's become really important in, mm. in oxygen intake, he tapes his mouth. Right. When he, so he wears a device which pretty much holds his chin up mm. and then he puts a little bit of tape on his mouth to close his mouth when he sleeps. It's going to be pretty appealing for your wife. You I think Mrs. does it as well, but I think, yeah. I think that was the deal. I think they both into it. Right. 
Yeah, so so it's pretty interesting, isn't it? It is. I think people have wanted me to tape my mouth, you know, my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Not just when I'm sleeping. Okay, we'll get some tips from Pete and Kona this year. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's a 4,000-point race, so it's a biggie for anybody who wants to get on the path to Kona. $150,000 prize money, and remembering that the winner of this race gets an automatic slot to Kona as well. So it's a good, strong field, and... We talked about the timing. I think you said you talked to Pete about the timing of regional championships and how they're kind of getting, the boom, they're, back, they're sort of a little bit back to back. But still, liked it. They've, they've got a, a strong field here and it's a hell of a lot stronger than what they've had any other year in Cairns. And also I noted that on the age group side of things that the race was a sellout as well. Now that may well be an offshoot of the fact that Melbourne got cancelled in March and so athletes were able to transfer the entry into races. But this had been a race that had been on the decline. So whether or not it's a case that it's a regional championship, there's going to be lots of pros there, or maybe there's another um, the reason because of Melbourne. So on the pro side of things, it's really good and looking really encouraging. And on the age group side of things, more entries, which is great as well. So it is a good, strong field. Yeah, far right. Yeah. So you got Luke McKenzie. Mm who's predicted by, via Torsten's website, trirating.com, to come in in first place by over two minutes. And the big difference in Luke over the last few years is his ability to kind of pull through. You know, in his early on in his career, you'd have occasionally a great race mm. and then a lot of blow-ups, whereas it's kind of more, you have more great races and the occasional blow-up. Absolutely. Kind of transition. So, you know, so he's, he's become a, you know, a real weapon on the bike. But then he used to do that, and then he'd run a three ten or yeah. three fifteen and and fade into to misery. But now he's able to hold it together and run, a, you know, a low to mid two fifty five. And when you've got a ten fifteen minute lead, yep. that's usually going to be enough. Yeah. So he's he's seated uh, number one via Torsten. Uh, Tim Van Berkel is number two. David Dello is going to be there along with Cameron Brown. So you know, your top few there are all. Brick Haverfield, how do you think he'll go? Oh, he's always there or thereabouts. He's not as good an Ironman as what he was uh, a short-distance racer. Uh, usually a little bit susceptible on the bike, and, and you can clearly see that by Torsten's ratings. He's only predicted to ride 4.41 versus, say, a Luke McKenzie at 4.24 and the other dudes at sort of low to mid-4.30. Um, so yeah. uh, he can certainly do the damage on the run but he's got to be in, put, put himself in a position to do that Jordan Rapp's also there he had a poor race at do you think he'll turn oh, up I mean Texas yeah, he's there and I saw a picture of him oh, okay. he got upgraded on a bloody plane he was sitting in uh, business class nowadays yeah it so never happens it nowadays. sounded like he had some friends in the right places uh, yeah, well, friends in the, yeah, I've got an upgrade to go to Hawaii this year Nice. Yeah, on the, on the way over. Yeah, I got one on the way to France. Because so I we'll thought to myself, well, I'm going back from Houston. Mm. You know, good buddy, we'll hang out. Yeah. He'll love it sitting next to me for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a win-win. And I thought, well, because we'll you get a free upgrade, basically, if you're a silver member. Yeah, and yeah. So I got yeah. a free upgrade. I thought, well, you do it to Kona. Yeah. You know? That'll only be a premium kind of No, but it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Yeah. I'm hearing you. Are you going business class to France? I did last year. What was it like? It was, it was nice. Did you pay for it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what, what are the chances? I mean, I know it's, it's 5.46 in the morning, but that's just a throwaway <laughs> stupid comment. I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> so even if I was really rich, I don't know if I could justify the, the cost. Because how much? It's about four times more, isn't it? No, it's double. No. Yes. Okay, let's have a look. You, you talk. I'm okay, so okay. we've got great, uh, more great athletes. So you've got Matt Hansen, who is, runs a house down, so we should see some fantastic run times from him. Clayton Fatale, who will open up, uh, you know, he'll kick the hell out of that swim bike. And then Tim Don's list is starting, but he raced in... 
Brazil or somewhere the weekend, a couple of weekends ago. So I don't think we'll see him on the start line. Uh, you got Pete Jacobs, Freddie Cronenberg, and Roman Guillam. Who you know he's a top ten in Kona a couple of years ago. Uh, and then loads of other dudes: Luke Bell, um, Guy Crawford, Will Clark from the UK. He could still uh, surprise a few. Has yet to really crack the Ironman side of things but I think he might have been racing in Brazil as well so a few guys on the start list who might not be there. On the girls side of things Liz Blatchford uh, looks like she's been scratched according to Torsten's website she was seeded number one um, then you've got Jodie Swallow, Lindsay Corbin, Rebecca Keat and Michelle Brenner, Bremer who are the first ranked female athletes only around about 13 girls on the start list uh, on the guys side of things you've got around about sort of 35 but as we said some of those people won't be turning up. You'd expect Jody Swallow to go out there and smash the swim bike as usual and then uh, see what she can do on the run. It's obviously her and her partner, James Carnivore, are on different sides of the world racing over the next couple of weeks. John, so I know people will love listening about the race, but they want to hear more about air travel. So mm. if you go air travel, mm. if you go from, I just said, let's go to Paris tomorrow. Mm-hmm and come back next month month or something so you know not cheap flights but basically your your standard flight Mm. then your mid flight so the premium economy is Mm. double Mm. and yeah business now is nearly four times as much right yeah so like you know like admittedly these these are expensive because of the way we've done it but to get one way basically on one way line is thirteen hundred dollars on just normal premium economy is about just under two and a half, and business is six and a half. Okay. So there you go. Still won't so, be flying business. Yeah, we're, not, we're <laughs> definitely not flying business class. <laughs> this podcast needs to pass a bit more before we ever thought yeah. about that. Okay. So um, good luck, everybody, racing Ironman Kens, and we look forward to some quality racing. Okay. Uh, do we do it? I'm in Brazil. Oh, just one comment. Uh, some people will have seen the coverage. There was uh, some YouTube clips going around of, uh, um, I think it was the pro men's race, and I'm not quite sure which part of the oh, pro men's race right, yeah. and there was a massive lineup of cyclists now that what was happening they were riding along a dual carriageway road with a big bloody concrete barrier on one side and he had one lane to ride in and there was a lineup of probably i'm just going to say 15 at yeah, least cycle racing kind of it was basically a pace line and i would be predicting there was probably about maybe two to three bike lengths between each athlete, and the, the, somebody was filming at the back, and the, the guys at the back were were freewheeling, and they were kind of they were trying to stay out of the draft zone, but they were just kind of rolling into it just because. Which is hard not to do. Yeah, and uh, and people, everybody gets on their bandwagon, going, "Oh, this is ridiculous! These cheating bastards!" And and they were in a line, but if you're at the back of that line and you got to go to the front, that is a monumental effort yeah. to go from the back of that line because once you're committed you have to go all the way to the front so you've probably got to go from riding Ironman effort to pretty much riding FTP for god knows how long to get to the front of that group mm. and also it's kind of stupid mm. you know you better have to sit at the back yeah and uh, you're not going to be going once you get to the front you're probably not going to be going any quicker so I was sitting there going everybody's getting on their high horse going these cheating bastards and 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 similarly, you know, when I was in Kona, I was sort of in that you situation. Yep. I cheated. Like yes. uh, it's really tricky. And how are they going to fix it? And then I was just going, the, the, we had challenged Bahrain a few years ago. And I was sitting here going, this is going to be a joke because they've got really strong field. It's Olympic. It's it's half Ironman. It's flat course. It's going to be a draft fest. But they challenged, to their credit, put in a 20-meter rule, and that solved it. Yeah. 
And at these races, Kona would be a, would be a bit more difficult to do it when you've Just got... Just because of quality? Yeah, you've got that many guys. You're going to have 50 guys coming out and 40 of those guys are probably going to come out within a pretty small period of time. Especially around town, that would be really hard to police. But then the argument to it is that the guy at the front of the pack is getting screwed because the guys down the back can just cruise. Mm. But at these at most races, I think the twenty go twenty meters. I think it'll work really well for the for the pros. It's not going to solve the age group issues. It's a completely separate issue. But for the pros, every race I've seen twenty meters, it's been gold. And there's no reason not to do. I can't see any reason not to do it. And except for, as I said, in Kona, the downtown section. What about loop courses? Sorry? Loop courses. Uh, you know, maybe jump back into the age groupers and stuff. Yeah, still don't see a problem. I suppose they pass yeah. so fast, don't they? Yeah. So, okay, well, let's put a protest together. Yeah. Yep, the I am talk protest 20 meter rule. Bring it in for Kona, give it a crack. I don't, I don't think you're going to see any pros complaining about it. Uh, and if they are, they're probably the ones that We changed the dynamic anyway. of the race a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it would. Because that pace line, you know, you've always got the two or three, maybe four or five guys who just take off, mm-hmm. and then you've got the big pack, and and it kind of breaks up in a little yeah. bit in the second half. But you know, if, if there was twenty meters, a lot of guys who probably are just kind of lucky they can stay on that pack, who can run well, mm. that kind of takes them out of the race I a little think bit, doesn't be, it? I think it'd be fantastic. So come on, come on, Jimmy, Jimmy Ricatello, come on, it's, Jimmy, we know you listen. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've got a France an email from Lucy. Oh, Lucy France is just saying, uh, did you guys know that they're now still two steps away from doing Ironman Germany tour? So basically she sent us through an email that WTC sent through to her. And the basic concept is, it's kind of just kind of tagging on races really, a bit of marketing really. But um, So you get to be part of the German tour and they're kind of, again, recognising you for, for doing their races and like if you do several races in Germany, you know, whether it be Ironman Germany and some of their 70.3s or whatever, then you can get a little badge saying, you know, you're ranked within whatever in the German tour or you get a little badge saying you completed the German tour. So again, Ironman are trying to sort of bundle us up into doing their races, which is great marketing for them and, and we sit here sometimes saying, well, people don't care about the AWA and things like that, the world ranking system, but they do. I think the people at the top do. Oh, mm. no, yeah, I think... It, yeah. No, people people look at their rankings. Yeah, no, it was admittedly last year after on Facebook once they came out, there yeah. were a lot of people yeah. showing their rankings. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, Jumbo. Uh, sponsor. Okay, so we talked about the Christchurch Marathon, half marathon yesterday. Had an athlete that I coach that? Um, racing. Sorry? Who was that? Paddy Crib. From Wellington came down. Oh, good. Spanked go? it. Did she? Yeah, fast. Hey, it's a he, it's a Paddy. Oh, hey. Yes. Oh, wow. I suppose Paddy is a guy's name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Or is it uh, both? It's really, isn't it? It's both. It's one of those names, isn't it? Uh, no. Yeah, because Paddy LaBelle. I don't know. Is there a singer called Paddy LaBelle? Could be. And it's a bit of a country name in, in like country it's an Irish name. Yeah. It's Irish. Patrick. Paddy. Patrick. Paddy. Um, how do you say Paddy in Irish? Do an Irish accent. Paddy. Oh, good work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was, was so pretty good. So Irish. Oh, the Irish people are loving it. Anyway, he had the extreme endurance, tried extreme endurance for the first time, and he only got it on probably Wednesday. I said, just get on it. Three or four days, it's going to be perfectly fine. And he was on fire, absolutely on fire. He said, this extreme endurance is a great secret weapon, as didn't feel tired throughout the race, and even after the race, feeling pretty good, could, feeling pretty good and could do more exercise. He did rip it. Did he? He was, he was, what uh, race did he do? He did the half. And he's, 
He's also doing low low fat, high carb. Yep. Uh, no, other way around. Yep. Low so carb, high fat, yep. and losing a lot of weight. And he is, his running is just going through the roof. And so I think the instructions were, don't go quicker than five minute k's or something like that. And he did three thirties. He did four fifties <laughs> for the first half, and then like four thirty five for the second half. It's like he's on that trajectory where he's just improving so it's fast. Nice to see people like that, eh? Because and a big part of that is is weight loss. So if you you know, and he's been. Very diligent with um, low carb, high fat, and uh, and is losing a lot of weight. And man, your running just goes ballistic. Yeah, if you can weight. lose weight yeah. running, man, you improve. But fast. the problem also is you kind of if you want to become really good runner, you got to lose muscle mass as well. Mm. You know, you, to become a real fast runner, you know, mm. you got to become a lean, mm. lean muscle machine. If you know what I mean. So, but good work. Yeah. So he loved the extreme endurance. As I said, the first what time, time he's used it, one thirty-eight. I think nice it was. Nice work. Yeah. So um, yeah, only it was only on extreme extreme endurance for four or five days before the race. Felt great during the race, enhanced recovery. And he's going to be he's running a marathon in sort of four or five weeks. This was really sort of just a good good hit out. Yeah, Wellington. So get on it, guys. Extreme endurance. If you're few, few, you know, in the, a week before a race or anything, it's not too late. It's not something you got to load on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And remember the promo code IMTalk. 10 if you're going to .com or the .eu or the .uk works on all those sites gives you 10% discounts so check it out okay guys well last week's discussion was what is the best race in the world so um, this is in terms of spectators just the, the full package in terms of taking your family cool course cool supporters just has has it all okay do we get many answers Facebook doesn't help we did uh, oh, get a Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, it's th- yeah. As you said, we only got two hundred and forty-two people reached. It said, yeah, out of about five thousand on our uh, yeah Facebook, is, our Facebook page. It, 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 yeah, because I've got a friend. I got this lady called Lisa Osborne, who's Lisa Mills is pretty much their biggest star, mm. and she's got like a hundred thousand people following her. Mm. And so sometimes she'll put a post up, and only twenty people see it. Mm. And it's like back it up if they want to. They could get hundred thousand. Anyway, doesn't matter. Richard Swan. In terms of crowd support and atmosphere, easily the London Marathon, closely followed by the Chicago Marathon. Big city marathons with around a million people on the sidelines are amazing. Plus, you think racing with pro Ironman races is cool. Seeing a 203 marathon runner warming up next year is even more daunting. That's, <laughs> I have to admit, I'd love to do a big city marathon. Mm. Uh, Pete Githens, this is easy. Rev 3 slash Challenge Main. They offer both Olympic and 70.3 distance. I did the 70.3 race twice, once under each brand, by the race director and other personnel were the same. The setting is fantastic. It's down east um, Main in late summer. Car motion swim. Picture perfect weather. Beautiful bike course and run course. And... Optional lobster bake at the finish. They had a nice, add nice touches like ice baths and wet towels at the finish too. Nice. Okay, Ultraman. I mean, Arnold. How's that? Silikov. Silikov. Uh, Ultraman Australia. It does help you win the thing. Yeah, that definitely. I think any race I win, I think it's the best race in the world. From the organisation, that just try to make it work no matter what the experience. You are relying, uh, relaying at one hundred percent on your own team and personal adventure of long solo days swimming biking and running in stunning sunshine coast a true human experience above anything else very close to Wanaka though for the most fantastic scenery and honest course you can imagine and of course wrote for the overall experience and Greg McDermott second that with Ultraman Australia although I was about 10 hours behind Armour <laughs> <laughs> I loved every minute of the whole experience and Matthew Wheatley also said yep I agree with Arnold and Greg 
uh, Ultraman Australia by a long shot. Can't wait for next year. So very popular race. Phil Elmore, um, Ironman Guri, 70.3 in Korea last year. One loop swim in the lake surrounded by mountains. A bike ride through rolling hills with plenty of space to have your own race. And the run was two out and backs along a beautiful valley along a river with loads of local old people supporting along the way. Didn't even feel like a race. I thought I was just having a day out with my friends and got a PB. Win, win, win. Brent Chan's got uh, New York Marathon City or City Marathon. My wife arranged it for my 40th birthday. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? Mm, nice. We had a runner yesterday who was trying to get to New York. She needed to do 3.38. She did mm. 3.39. Oh, no. <laughs> and she said that's basically a $2,000 minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, which is a good way to think about it. Not only was the crowd support phenomenal, but wearing your medal the day after the race got me free wine, apples, at the celebration dinner from the restaurant and an appearance in the audience in a conversation with David Letterman. Oh, there you go. Uh, I second that. This is David Hunt. A great atmosphere. Well organized for 50,000 plus participants. The streets are lined a lot of the way with spectators. The noise when you come over the bridge and hit the first avenue is unreal. New Yorkers really do congratulate you in the day's post-race. So you wear your medal proudly. And yes, free drinks and some bars. So oh, nice. Yeah. Zania Morrison, Ironman St. George, before they made it 70.3. People of St. George really behind the race. Organisation to get all of those people out the swim start and the yellow school buses was great. Awesome bike course with some amazing views and aid stations on the run were awesome. One of the crew even had a pig on a spit. Oh, really? Uh, not that it smelled very appetising at the oh, run. I love a pig on a spit. Frozen face cloths were awesome in the 35 degree heat on the run. That's good. Ed Hawkins got, I know it's not really the point you're looking, but after racing last weekend and having someone stupidly step out in front of me whilst riding at 45Ks, ooh, they were fine, then crashing and suffering from a fractured back, resulting in, oh, poor old Ed Hawkins in a rough time right now, and four to six weeks of recovery on my back. I can now honestly say that the best race experience I have ever had are those races where I finished safely, Picked up and gone home with the family. Oh, I hope you, I hope you find it, and I hope you get well real quick. Uh, Robert Bieland, Paris Marathon, bottles of mineral water instead of small little cups of water at each aid station. Great hydration advantage. It's a huge. Nice. I, I haven't raced a huge mm. amount. Like I've done, you know, when I think about ex- race experiences, I've got to say the Abel Tasman. All right, yeah. The Abel Tasman Marathon, you, to me, because that's to me one of the most beautiful places in the world. Mm full stop mm. and immediately the day I did the race you couldn't have got better weather nice so because it is in September so it could be hit yep. and miss but the day I got it I had a great run I think I, like the field was strong mm. and like and I think I got fifth or sixth so I had a really great run but it was just so easy to have a great run because it, it was just it's just stunning so you get a you get on a boat you turn up and then you get a boat basically to the start point and then you, yeah. you have to mill around at the start and then yeah uh, it wasn't it's not that bad but it wasn't yeah. like ours you know and, and yeah you know, luckily the mountain snail was there so he yeah me. yeah so that was good yeah but seriously guys if, if you ever get a chance it sells out it's one of those races you got to get on the website the day of because mm. it sells out pretty quickly but to me I was just in, in heaven the whole race, and even when it got hard, you just so, and like the year we did, we ran back because mm. I think they alternate the way it goes. Right. Well, I'm not quite sure. I think they changed the course, but you get to that last part of the run, and you're coming and you're coming up because you basically run through the bays and kind of in the hills a little bit, and then through the bays, and um, just beautiful ocean, kind of this kind of beautiful blue. Mm. Oh my god, it was stunning. Mm. So that and it wrote, but you also um, made a good point before that. 
races you do well are usually the ones you remember. Would you have said that's the best race in the world if you had a shitty run? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. And that's the same, exact same thing for me. You know, when I was going through one of the best races, and, and immediately came the ones where Pick I, it. where I, yeah, <laughs> where I had the, my best races. And so I've raced in loads of different places, but I haven't done a lot of the big you know Ironman international races or say like the big city marathon big city marathon or or done say Alcatraz or the London triathlon or any of those ones there a lot of my racing early in my career was sort of some ITU races um European small races European uh, but the European ones in France were fantastic I had a girl uh who she's she's and very novicely were racing in France at the weekend and she said they were standing on the start line and the swim everybody thought the swim was going to be cancelled because there was waves pounding in but no they did the swim and uh, she said on the bike there was like 15% climbs and people were walking up it and stuff and she was about an hour slower than what she'd wow. do on a, on a standard race I said that's just classic French racing and that was the coolest thing about doing races in France it's like they don't give a shit if it's a hard course and stuff they just you're doing it that's it and uh if it's a 15 percent climb everybody you'll get up at it somehow and it's just brilliant so always a lot of my racing in france was a lot of fun not necessarily always massive crowds but just the courses were always really cool and they um and they were one of the probably the early places where they really adopted all different um abilities so they always have a draft legal uh, elite race and then that the, the the day before the race they'd have like um because you've got to have a license to race in France, which are usually quite costly. Um, oh, then they'd have a, a race on the Friday for people who didn't have a license and all that sort of stuff. So it was, um, yeah, France racing was cool. But yeah, when I was going through everything and I came down to, you know, trying to name one, I'd probably say Challenge Wanaka for me in terms of a full yeah, package. Yep. Uh, it did help that the first time I did it, you know, I had to do a fantastic race. But if I was, you know, if we weren't Kiwis as well, I'd say, Awesome place to go for a holiday. Um, for the family, you're within wherever you're, wherever you're staying, you're within walking distance of the transition area, and there's stuff to do. Big open spaces, cafes they can go and sit at while you're while you're out there racing. Uh, and for for you as an athlete, it's a tough day at the office, and you can get quite a few challenges thrown at you. But beautiful course, and uh, yeah, so I think that probably came out on top for me. Um, but the other one that a few other notable mentions yep. was one year I did, they used to have the Tri and Z sort of our national series. They had a an elite draft legal race there and you did it like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, the night before. And it was uh, around just did a little, yeah, a little, little block. It was uh, sort of a 2K block on the, 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 the bike and so I don't know how many laps we did and basically went past the pubs and stuff yeah. yeah and then the run was you did a two or three laps around uh, around the pubs and we did it at eight o'clock on a Friday night and it was so cool running through all the crowds really? and things like that I mean I didn't have a I had an okay race and, but cool. I was miles behind all the, the leaders because yeah. um, uh, they used to get some good cool. guys like Bevan yeah, did didn't they because they had a sort of camp down there and so it was uh, it was cool racing other notable mentions for me were um, Auckland ITU race when they had that up there as part of the World Triathlon Series. And the reason for that, you just fly in, get a taxi into town, and you're there. Yeah. So you can go with the family again. Uh, and it was, a, it was a cool course. We used to have an individual time trial, no, a team time trial in France, which was really cool. Uh, I reckon the Kona 70.3 is a fantastic race, um, especially if you haven't don't ever get a chance to do Ironman. And for me, question marks for, for Rote were, again, the year we did Rote, 
I didn't have a great race. I mean, I still had a pretty respectable time, but I had a good run, a shitty bike ride, and a, a and a great swim. But the big focus for me on that race was all. You know, I did, probably didn't take in the experience because it was all about going sub nine as far under sub nine as possible, and probably didn't enjoy all the other things. Plus, it was raining all day when we were there, which did take away from the experience a bit, and it was yep. a bit chilly as well. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, right. Was pretty cool for me. I, I, I do want to do a big city marathon. I oh think, yeah, absolutely. Next year we're getting married and we're going to do a honeymoon, so it won't be hip next year. I think maybe a year after next we might do New York because mm-hmm. I love New York as a city. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'd love to do London as well because London would be pretty cool. Because there's the thing with the big city marathon is 50,000 people would be cool. Mm-hmm. I think you probably, like, you kind of go into expecting not to have a great race, but in some ways I imagine you probably do have a good race because you're actually around lots of people of your ability. Because mm-hmm. the problem with people who are kind of faster than three hours in most races yeah you're kind of left alone after a period aren't you you might have a few people around yeah you. yeah whereas you know like in like in new york three hours is gonna be hundreds of people around yeah. you, you know and so you've got that kind of that could be a really good carrot for you but also you've got um just the iconic locations like when i went mm. to london this year the thing you know you go to those cities you know them before you go there and so to actually kind of run and do a race in those places and the crowds so yeah that definitely kind of next couple of years I wouldn't mind popping out one of those big city marathons nice this week's discussion now we got an email through from Danger Duncan Penfold mm-hmm. and it's a really good message actually he's doing Ironman Kens this weekend he goes I just got this I'd like to kind of uh, new, your new segment don't always rip on the race organisers and in it, he's basically got I read this in my Kens athlete pick and wanted to highlight it with you guys as another positive coming from Ironman and race organisers in general I think it is a really forward thinking and obviously stimulates more spending within the race precinct basically basically, instead of having a pre-race briefing and the race director announcements over the usual carbo loading uh, Bain-Marie. Bain-Marie. Those are those things that keep things oh, warm. Oh, yeah. Okay, oily, greasy, high, low quality, but large volume athlete welcome dinner. Each athlete gets a $35 voucher to spend at a local participating restaurants and cafes. I guess Ironman pays maybe $30 and the business owner hopes each athlete bring their family in paying for the usual price. Everyone wins because you've got to eat somewhere. So the, basically the innovation is there's no carbo loading party. Mm. What there is is there's a voucher to go and spend so what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? You kind of the Senate can look at some bad things. Well, this is the discussion of this week: is uh, carb loading party and welcome party or not to save your do- um, yeah, d- Does the carb loading thing work for you guys? And I suppose we're not going to answer this for a month. So I guess my opinion is, I think it's fantastic that they're not doing it. I'd much rather go. The only, to the only problem I, the, uh, the, I think it's a good idea. Don't get me wrong, but if I'm going to put the other cap on, and like I think it's cool because again, good for the local economy. It's probably mm. actually cheaper for WCC. They probably make money on it. The other thing that they had though, they did have sort of a, a meet and greet with the pro athletes and stuff as well. Okay. Yeah. Because so. the only thing is the first. I think for the first time. Mm. The carbo loading party is pretty cool. Like I remember the first time I did I mean New Zealand. You go mm. there and they put that video on the show every bloody time, mm-hmm. and you know, and it was pretty cool. And then the second time, no, oh, same crap. You yeah. know, and yeah. and in some ways maybe that gets a little bit lost on the first timer. Yep. So you know, for that aspect of it, but I do love the idea of you know, because the problem is, in small a lot of towns, getting the council behind you mm. is a big problem. If if that money's going into the economy, that's another reason to get I mean into your races. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what you guys think. So this question is, do you think the carbo-loading concept party needs to be held on to, or do you like the idea of being given vouchers, and if so, why for your thoughts? Nice. Okay, John, let's put some music on.
Group, group of, of the week. week. Okay, and this week got sent through by Grant A. Petrie, Senior. Mm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So he must have a junior. Yeah. Oh, junior. Would you name your kid John you Jr.? name your child. Bevan James Bevan Jr.? Bevan James Jr. works, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Come on, Junior. Come on, Junior. Okay, I hope this note finds you well. Up here in the east coast of the USA, it's raining every day, making training for a Lake Placid a challenge. Now, when, when would you have written this, John? Oh, the last few weeks. Okay, good. I want to nominate Carol Bruce of Shannon's Flat Canberra, Australia, as Age Grouper of the Week. Carol, a.k.a. The Machine, won the age group of 55 to 59 age group in Ironman Australia last Sunday. I first met Carol when I moved to Canberra back in late 2008. Oh, Canberra. I've been there, John. Yeah. Yep. Been there and you left. <laughs> if you're not uh, a government official. Yeah, I went for the government. Yeah. Yep. Um, she had recently moved to Canberra, so she could have a better triathlon training and racing opportunities. She quickly proved herself to be a tough competitor in races and in life. Struck with cancer, she opted for a double mastectomy, but quickly got back to training. Next thing, her teammates know she was doing her first half Ironman and then Ironman, always placing high in her age group. She persevered and soon won a slot for the 70.3 World Championships. But clearly the goal was Kona and she continued to train hard. Finally, after racing Ironman races all over Australia, New Zealand, Copenhagen, Asia, and even coming to the new, uh, US for the ill-fated Ironman Maryland. Well, how do you say it? I always get... Oh, who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who cares? I'm going to say who cares, but we get it wrong every time. You guys know what we mean. Yeah, well, it's spelled Maryland. There you go. Uh, 2015, she pulled it off. Ha- uh, warm-hearted, ready with a smile, but a fierce competitor. She will earn her trip to Kona and my nomination of Age Group of Week. She shows... How having an iron will and incredible determination can get you to the big island. Cheers. It's a nice work, Carol Bruce, for qualifying, but it was a pretty tight affair. Oh, tell me about it, John. So she was in the uh, Grant sent that through. So I thought I'd look her up, look up the result. Ironman Australia. She's raced in all these countries all over the world, trying to get to Kona. Finally makes it, but by jingers it was close it was just, jingers. just over a minute so she swam a 108 this is nice. Ironman Australia uh, she biked 6.44 and ran a 4.31 for a 12.31.24 and this is a woman's 50 and in this age group thing is probably one slot absolutely definitely one yeah, slot yep. but she only took it by less than a minute from Julie Cummings from Australia now did she take it in the run she can you did. figure that out yeah she ran a 4.31 versus Julie had a 4.34 Oh really? So it would have you know you would assume probably, probably passed her in the last uh, five to ten days of the run. Because sometimes in that, that part of the field, so many people, it's kind of hard to know what's mm. happening in your age oh, group race. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wonder if she knew. Yeah. So very close stuff. So well done to Carol Bruce for making it to Kona, and we'll see you over there in October. We hope. I do love it with you when you get someone like Carol who's just kind of. Nuts it out and gets there. And had to come back from a double mastectomy. <sighs> Carol, you're a legend. Nice work. Carol so Bruce, you are our age group of the, of the week. week. Love your work. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Statistic. It's fantastic. fantastic. This is a good one, John. Uh, so this was sent through from. Uh, come on, you've got to get in the lap, John. Stayed with you when you were over here. Pete Colson. Pete Colson. There yep. we go. Yep, Pete Colson. He heard you say on the show Slowest swimmer to win an Ironman. So I swim to win Kona. Sorry, yeah, Kona, yeah. To win Kona. So he pulled out the stats. He, 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 he did some good research on he this He went, uh, Gordon Hallett swam 120-40 in 1978 to win the first Ironman. Which actually, when you think about it, considering that this race had never been done before, 
Yeah. Got a bear time. Yeah. And there probably would have been just a couple of swim boys out there. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I know it's the same now. It's still the same distance, but it would have just been a, uh, you would have been by yourself, I'd imagine. John Howard in 1981 uh, took it out with a 111 swim. Now, where would we say the race first comes competitive of good athletes? Oh, I would have. Because the first couple of years, it was probably more the Emelina won it. I would have thought mid to late 80s when the time started to tumble down. Um, you, just, you start, I've got, I've got a list of here, so you just, just tell us a couple of the other times. Okay, so, so basically we had Gordon Heller, the first guy to win it, he did it in our 20s, so pretty slow, but first race, no one knew what they're doing. John Howard did a 111. Now, by then, I think the times are still about nine and a half hours, so I think kind of we say fast is under nine hours. Okay. I'll, say, t- I'll tell you when, the, when it went sub nine. Because I know Mark, I mean, it's got... 1981 was 9.38. Yep. 1982, 9.19. Then there was another one in 82. Uh, 83.905. We're getting close. 84. It was the first sub nine, was 8.54. And then there's a the big jump, wasn't there? Dave Scott ran a 2.53. Back in those days? Back in those days. And then, then, then it's sort of, so about 84, would say, would say, is the first. Was there a year that we had a massive jump, or was it just kind of. Uh, 86. He went, it went down to 8.28. So that was a massive jump. Yeah. So from there, it was about what, high eights and then a massive jump. Yeah. 86. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So we kind of say pretty much from about 85 onwards, that's when it became, yep. you know, a sub nine kind of yep. at least race. Mm-hmm. And so, so Tinley's 55 would probably, we could argue, is probably the slowest. Yep. So in 1985, Tinley did 55.13, mm. um, you know, and went on to, what well, he did a sub nine, did he? Uh, 1985, Scott Tinley swam 55, rode 4.54 and ran 3.01 for an 8.50. Okay, so yeah, so that's, that's pretty, yeah. Mm. But then if we go to modern days, so we couldn't find the results for Tom Warren's it, w- 79. Well, he did come back, so Pete went the extra mile. Oh, no, tell me about he it. He got, got in touch with Bob Babbitt, and Bob Babbitt said John Howard. Uh, Tom Warren's. Oh, Tom Warren's Tom swim, Warren, which was uh, 106 in 1979. He must have been a good swimmer. He's yeah. pretty solid. But then Bob Babbitt came back with a tweet saying, since we're talking Ironman swimming, the best improvement for a winner, John Howard in 1980 went one hour 51. And he got third that overall. is pretty slow. That is very slow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, because that's nowadays even, it, you know, you kind of, you're wow, touch, You're minutes, touching the... Uh, Getting towards the cutoff. I know the cutoff's yeah. 220. You're but half still, an hour. Yeah, you're, you're way back. 150's slow. Uh, but then came back a year later, won it, and swam 111. So it took 40 what? minutes off in a year. So in that, you'd think something must have happened in that first time. He must have had a panic attack or something like that. Yeah. Or, or maybe he or, just, or he just rocked swimming. up and hadn't done any swimming. Yeah. Because John Howard was a cyclist, so he could have just come in. So he won. What year did he win? Uh, 81. Wow. 81. So in the modern day, as Bevan was saying, 2014, Seb was 54.38, and then Stadler in 2004 was 54, and 2008 he was 54. So those are guys that have in recent times won it with pretty slow swims when you can sort of the top guys come year? out. Oh, they usually would have been just under 50, I would have thought. So They'd probably 48 or something like that. So do you think Seb can win it again? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Especially if they bring in the 20-meter rule. There we go. John Houston, 20-meter rule. <laughs> I think you should patent it. Yeah. Because we brought out the Legacy Tour, you yeah. know. That was our, our idea. Okay, John, let's uh, – uh, 
It's a coach's corner. It's a re- it doesn't even need an intro okay. this, this week. It's a real, just a quick tip of the week. That was one of the things I was going to try to start bringing in this week is just quick, quick, t- quick tips. Quick tip of the week. Learn to use your lap button, especially on the bike. So, so when you're out there riding, often people just press go and then they just look at their data and they keep a, an average number for the whole session. But you're going to get heaps more out of it if you actually start hitting your lap button as you're going through a ride and doing your calisthenics over there. Oh, I tell you, it feels Bloody good. Bloody hell. Oh, just having a bit of a stretch oh. up to the side. Oh, get those well, obliques. Sometimes click. It makes yeah. a big difference. But mate, use your lap button a bit more frequently on the bike, whether you're using power, whether you're using heart rate, uh, and then you can actually get a much more real sense of what your body's actually doing at that part of the session the rather than objectives. the whole average. But what do people say, well, you can just go into training picks and cut it up anyway? Well, they usually don't anyway. Yeah, true. Because uh, most people are probably, uh, most people are on the free version, you can't do that. So for example, you know, if you're going doing a six hour bike ride, you know, you might press your lap button every hour um, and then you can actually see, okay, when I'm in the last hour of the bike ride, Oh, my heart rate's a lot lower. You know, your average heart rate might be 155 for the whole bike ride, and then you look at it and you go, oh, well, the last hour is only 150. So you know, you may not have been putting in as big an effort, or you may be getting some heart rate drift. Average heart rate 155 for the whole ride, but actually the last hour your heart rate's 165, which means you know you you got a bit of heart rate drift over there. Maybe you're not quite as efficient. Equally, if you're doing a hilly, you know, a hilly ride with some flats. So, for example, yesterday we did a, a ride um, which had big chunks of hills and then big chunks of flat. Your average heart rate's not going to tell you much about that bike ride. You sort of zone in on those different parts of it. So, start using your lap button. Turn off auto lap every 20 minutes or whatever people have it preset at, and uh, start zoning in on your different laps. The other thing, when you're on the bike, keep left. Or keep right if you're in the. I feel a rent coming on. I just sometimes I see these clips of people on YouTube and stuff, and they're they're getting hit by cars or whatever, which is not not good, obviously. But you've learned your lesson. You're not riding the side of the road, and you get people riding in bunches and cars coming up behind them and honking and stuff, and you're like. Get to the side of the road. It, it can be tough being a defender of cyclists at times. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I, I am the guy who put up for the, will put the put the hand up for the cyclist when we're driving down the road. Mm. And you know, you know, I was like, you know, you know, we're in a big bloody ton vehicle. There's only mm. one of us. You know, we can share the road. But then sometimes you do get people who kind of a little bit, you know, maybe two people and they're way in the middle and they're not really trying to move across and they're yeah. not pulling back. And you kind of think, oh, come on, guys, you, you know, it's hard to defend my argument right now. Keep to the left or keep to the right. Yeah, if you're in, if you're in the other countries, yeah, not good advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're in, in the states, don't keep to the left. Yeah, that's stupid advice. <laughs> People ring back. Oh, you hit by a car. Stupid <laughs> coaching advice. <laughs> Coaches corner my ass. Okay, we're not putting music on, John, because we're trying to rush through the show. Website of the week. week. Now, how do you say this last name, John? Jeff Fajfar. That's a. We'll go with that. It's a, it, now, do we give him his nickname? I'm not sure because it's a good nickname. I the usual suspect. Can you can you search? Uh, I guess go for it. You, you search. So we should be because if Jeff's a patron of the show, we should be giving him some love. Yeah, because his nickname's the usual suspect, and he's, I'm sure we would have given. He's him done that. a great piece of work here, guys. So basically, on Endurance Corner, he sent us through this link. He's got here's the, here's the email. He's got. Um, I put some sets together. I pulled off the USA Triathlon's website and posted on Endurance Corner by the number yearly ranked athletes broken down by age, sex, and age group and year. Some interesting highlights. So basically, what he did is he somehow got all the stats of triathlon and looked at what's happening in 
Iron Man over the last well, period of time. In America, they do a ranking system. Oh, do for, they? For USA Triathlon, and and most races you in have America, to be licensed. You have to have a, have a license. I'm yeah. sure all Iron Man races you probably do. Yeah, well, by default, you have to pay for a one-day yeah. license if yeah. you don't have one. So basically, then he got an insight into what's really happening in triathlon over the last period of time. And uh, I'll put a link to the article on www.talk.me because he's done some great work here. Now, did you get the second email he sent through to us? Uh, uh, Jeff won the triple T, I'm pretty sure. He yeah. was either in the, won it or in the top top few. Okay, so have you figured out if he's in the name of ours? I'm, I'm looking. I can't find it at this stage. If you're not, Jeff, get on the program. Yeah, we'll, and we'll call you the usual suspect. I'm, I'm, it does sound like one of our nicknames. We'll call you Kaiser Solsay. Do you get that? Uh, no. Oh, John. I'm not cultured. I'm sorry. Have you seen the usual suspects? No. You've never seen the usual suspects? No. Come on, I'm concentrating here. Oh, Kaiser Solsay. Why don't you just do a search? Well, go find. Go control F. Oh, Command F. God. Oh, you never changed and, the program. And mail, or what oh. am I doing? Don't worry, too late. Command F. Is it good find? I'm in. I'm here in Word. Why do you use Word? Oh, there we go. Find. Just took forever, didn't it? And just go usual. Ah. Oh, this is great podcast. Oh, people love it. I'm teaching you some computer 101 here. And then find next. Can't find the data you're searching for. No, no, he's not. Come on, come on, Jeff. Come on, you know you want to. Well, if you are, Jeff, we apologise for not being able to find you. Yeah, if you are, you're a legend. We think you're a rock star. What a great nickname. Yes. Kaiser Solsay. Kaiser Solsay was the... You've got to watch that movie, John. Right. It still holds up. It's quite old. Yeah. But I don't want to tell you anything about it. Because it's a... If you like, do you like a twisty thriller? Yeah, I love a twisty thriller. Yep. Well, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. So, his article. Tell us about it, John. So, he basically gets the athletes that are ranked in the States. And it, what it, when, he, when he was sort of looking at it, he was going... Okay, what's going on here? You know, my, my ranking's improving. And Jeff's improved, <laughs> uh, he's improved a lot over the, the recent years. His ranking has shot up. Let me just pull up this page. And he's going, okay, maybe I'm getting better. I am a legend. But how's, how's everybody else doing? Yeah. Stop. John's giving me the stop sign, so I'm, I'm pausing for a second. Yeah. Okay, so if he's just in his email, says some interesting highlights. First of all, um, overall male, female, overall female, and overall total rank athletes peaked in 2012. So overall male and overall female rank athletes have decreased annually each preceding year since 2012, with the lowest overall male count occurring in 2015. We may be an aging sport. Male uh, 16 and 17 and 20 to 44-year-olds and female 25 to 44-year-olds each hit an all-time low in 2015, stimulating... Um, simultaneously. Oh, so simultaneously. Male 70, 55 to 79 and 85 plus, and female uh, 55 to 85 plus, had an all-time high in ranking athletes in 2015. So basically what he did is he sent through his graph, and he's got um, a really good graph, actually. And it's basically got what the different age group, when they hit their peak in the last... Since, so basically since 2009, so last six years... A watch age group increase, which ones stay pretty much the same place, which ones decrease, and which ones are lower. And it is really interesting. So if you look at pretty much from age group male, from 15-year-olds, which can't be that many of anyway, right up to kind of 55, there's been an overall decrease in, in the last few years. Mm. You know, So the sport's actually not appealing to the younger crowd as much. I know. Uh, and it's the same in the females, not as dramatically, but still, it, it's, it's a declining sport. I think we all kind of know that don't we do we? i mean it's great i mean most 
the buzz you get out of industry is things are flattening off in terms of races. You're not seeing races selling out. You know, yeah. it used to be the stampede. And but we've got so many more races. Yes. So you could yes. have argued, well, participation's up. People are spreading out yeah. a bit more. Um, but go and read Jeff's article. It's a great article in terms of he sort of then goes on and uses his analysis in terms of what he sees going on and why this might be, you know, in terms of cost. You know, it's a bloody expensive sport to do these days and you don't have as many of the small little races um, to do. You know, if you're going to do a race, if it's an Ironman or a, you know, a, a commercial event, it's hundreds of dollars, as you guys all know. Uh, time, you know, everybody these days is, is a lot more more time poor and they're too busy and if you want to do an Ironman as again you guys know it takes quite a big time investment to, to be able to do that uh, open water swimming is a is becoming you know there's, there's more deaths out there there's more fear of it and also you know our venues to do open water swimming are becoming less and less through you know lakes drying up or and and also you know just People not swimming as much these days. Well, I think there's, I always think there's a lot more choice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 2012, you know, CrossFit only really came around in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And I think the CrossFit audience has probably hurt Ironman audience because mm-hmm. it's the kind of CrossFit is their audience for the person who's Gosh. trying to search, yeah, search for themselves, you know? Yeah. And their identity through through sport. Mm-hmm. And Ironman's the same thing. It's search for yourself and identity through sport. Mm. And, you know, and that young market for CrossFit is CrossFit's a massively successful business mm. um and it really appeals to the and it's actually a lot more achievable for life mm. you know those people are kind of just as obsessed as i and probably spend as much time thinking about crossfit as what we do in Ironman. but you know because if we look at like it's really interesting so if you look at male age group 25 to 29 it peaked in 2011 oh no i'll go I'll, yeah okay yeah so they 2000 basically 13 200 2300 people racing at that age group in 2011 now it's 1500 Mm. So it's a massive drop off. Mm. That is absolutely huge. Then if we look at the, the, an age group above it, um, the thirty to thirty-four, that was three and a half thousand nearly. Now it's two and a half thousand. So it's lost a thousand competitors. If we go to overall, the sport peaked and with twenty-six thousand six hundred in two thousand twelve. So they've lost four thousand overall athletes, four nearly four and a half thousand athletes, in basically three years. Mm. So that's, that's, that's going to be a worry. Yeah. Because that's your legacy as well moving forward. So, you know, like, sure, we can say, well, the older age groups are aging up and maybe it's because they've got more time and money. Mm. And so that's definitely true. And and obviously it becomes a very affluent person's sport, mm. you know, because people who are older tend to be in that wealthier period of their life and have more time. So, but what's the flow on effect as five years from now? Do we see mm. those numbers drop away even in the older age groups because the younger people haven't been in the sport mm. to start with. So pretty interesting stuff. It is. It's still popular, still plenty of people at most races, but I would say I would agree with the, uh, in terms of local trends, in terms of the events that I run, is, uh, yeah, numbers have declined um, over the last sort of four or five years. It's still get reasonable numbers, and but certainly there's not as many people doing the sport as there, there once was. You know, I think we've kind of, we've passed the bubble, we're on a little bit of decline, but I think it'll, you know, Sometimes it just takes a little stimulus here and there, so I don't think it's all doom and gloom. There's still a good number of people doing sports, good industry, but it's uh, it's not on the rise. And I think the responsibility of the sport organisers, governing bodies, Ironman, is to keep trying to be you know a little bit more innovative and trying some different things. John. Good article, Jeff. So you can you can check it out uh, if you go to endurancecorner.com. Um, 
I have the direct link, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it pretty easily on there. What, what do you think is the shift the triathlon needs to make to make it more appealing to a newer market? Because the problem is, when we live in a, you know, because if we look at exercise right now, it's all hits. It's all get in, get in, smash mm. yourself. And it's really interesting, it, it's, even as we think about coaching, you know, I was saying how I had really great results with my runners yesterday. Now, you know, maybe it was the day, maybe lots of things, but one thing I have started doing is adding that hits component into my programs for my runners mm. so we have sessions at a very hits pace and it's kind of getting that top end fitness and it seems to be working really well obviously but um people don't want to exercise as long now there's even mm. in gym industry we've gone from hour everything was an hour now it's down mm. to 30 minutes and we've even started to do some 20 minute programs for group mm. fitness you know is this a problem of long course absolutely yeah but how does triathlon do something that's 30 minutes yeah easily do 30 minute racing yeah imagine that that's great and i'd love to be able to do a bit more of that <clears throat> so do you know what's really interesting here? Is there's more females racing in America than males? Cray cray. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no sorry. I got yeah. it. No, overall, overall, the peak was 40,000. Now it's down to, they've lost 5,000 competitors. Mm. So pretty interesting. You know, it's a big chunk. Mm. You know, it's over 10% mm. of the audience at least. So there we go. Athletes.com. A sponsor, John. We had uh, Kona 70.3 last weekend and some good results. We had some good Kiwis doing quite well oh, over there. Go the Kiwis. Kiwis. Brett Tingay got, got second, second, second place. Yeah. Had Sam Elstob in there, top 10 as well, and along with uh, Tim, the Timotron McClurg. The Timotron. Yeah. And uh, what this is interesting for me is, again, this is a race that was selling out really fast. Uh, in the past and it was quite hard to get into had slots but didn't it had slots um, but also had a pro race as well and sort of wondering what impact not having a pro oh, race it's not pro now it's not, no pro race anymore okay. so it's actually whilst it's not selling out now it seems like numbers are still stabilised so despite not having the pros there uh, so you go into com. Cool thing is you can go onto the particular race and providing it's been up there for a while, it's got the statistics on it and it gives shows you the growth. So for Kona 70.3, first race back in 2007, they only had 920 people and then by the time they got to around about sort of 2012, that's when they hit their peak um, or hit their capacity, I think, which is usually around 1,500 people and then yep. every year after that is around about 1,500 people. And do we know what they got this year? Uh, it looks like around about the same again. It didn't sell out though, but it must have been pretty close okay. to it. So they're consistently still getting 1,500 people despite not having the pros um, there. But then on the flip side, I'm going to be really interested to see what it looks like for Ironman Cairns where they've gone from kind of not really, they, I mean they've had a professional race there, but it hasn't been a regional championship, whereas now it's a regional championship is that going to draw more athletes into this? So if we look at um, Ironman Cairns, and, you know, man, that race, that was a, that's, it's been on the decline. But they used to have a – the so it was challenge initially, yep. and then it's gone to Ironman, and they used to have a 70.3 there as well. So it sort of grew – first race was 2011, and then it sort of grew to 2014. They had uh, – uh, around about 1,200 people doing the Ironman, and then last year it dropped away to 705. Wow. Um, so, but this year it looks like it's sold out, so sort of heading, heading back up again could be because of the Ironman Melbourne that was cancelled and people transferring across, could be that it's a regional championship. So, yeah, really interesting to see, and this is one of the great well, things you can do. it's a regional championship, doesn't it? And Ironman Melbourne, because it got cancelled. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see whether... 
pro pro racing does make that big of an impact on the overall field. So you can check all this out on on athletics.com. Sort of. So if you're thinking about doing a particular race and you're wondering, you know, how many people actually do that race count, you can probably find the information there on Ironman somehow but it's, it doesn't really sure show you any trending or anything like that uh, check it out on athlinks.com and you can see how big those races you're going to are tell you what i mean website's a bit of a mess yeah so that's the thing yeah athletics is everything everything's yeah, Cause I was trying to, cause I was just trying to see how brett went in his race and uh man it was hard work to find the results for kona mm. you know it took me a bit of research so it's i want it now well you know, there's such a big organisation, but I'm not quite sure if there's a bit away, but it's not easy to find things on the website, so something to think about. Anyway, uh, com guys, so if you are looking for an easier way to see the stats around races or kind of keep your races in place, you can't go wrong with athletes, guys. Check it out, com. You'll be glad you did. That's right. Okay, John, last, last little bit of the show. My first try, Mark Scudamore, Lake Tahoe, late September back in, late September back in 07. Song, the water was about 58 degrees. 15 degrees centigrade. It's fresh. It is pretty far. Five foot waves crashing onshore the day before the race during my practice swim. My race was on the day before the Xterra US National Championships. The course was a half the swim and half the run of the championship race, but the full 23-mile championship mountain bike course, I'm 55 years old for my first try. The race day dawns with a sub-freezing temperatures and 4 inches, 10 centimetres of snow on the ground. <laughs> that is not nice <laughs> no. going for a swim. <laughs> for your first race, the sand on the beach was so cold, we stood in the water for the pre-race briefing because our feet froze on the sand. <laughs> That's not a good thing, eh? Had a decent swim, although my stomach was rolling as I came out of the water. Took forever in transition one and left transition near the back of the pack. Nine miles into the mountain bike ride, I crashed off into a plank bridge into a rocky, wet creek bed, suffered mild concussion and separated shoulder. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Had to walk a bunch of the bike course because I was it was so steep. Came into T2, nearly last, but finished the final 5K run trail run. It wasn't pretty, but I was hooked. I've done 25 other exteriors since. That's a pretty good effort in your first race. And that's the thing. I think Xterra could, um, yeah, that's something that people can look into in terms of their next challenge as uh, Mark took it on in his first challenge. But um, that's what gives me the shits about mountain biking. It's just, it's going to hurt. At some stage, you're going to have a crappy crash and it's going to hurt. Whereas when you're on the road bike... Well, if you crash on a road bike, it's going to hurt as well, but... You don't crash very often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it's got to hurt. Especially in Ironman, because you don't pick right, unless no. you're in Brazil and a pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mark Scudamore, nice racing, and good to see you sticking with those X-Terrace. Okay, Jumbo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Elect Buffer, and also thanks to our patrons. And if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. Become a patron of your weekly fix. Yes. Yeah. Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? What's my goss, Bevan? Good to see the Warriors finally winning at the weekend. Know, what, are they smashed? Did you watch it? No, I saw the highlights. Well, because I was around at the in-laws, mm. having some dinner with the in-laws, and, uh, and we were talking some stuff, and I uh, kind of checked out the score, and I was doing all right, and I said to Ken, the father-in-law, Ken, like, shit, the Warriors are doing well. Yeah. Because what well, do you want to watch it? I was like, bloody hell, I want to watch it. So <laughs> we went in the lounge, and we watched the Warriors. Yeah. Played some games of chess on the weekend, Johnny. Can you play chess? Nice. Yeah, I can play chess. Are you good at chess? Probably not. I'd say I, no. I didn't know the stalemate rule. Did you know that rule? Mm. I didn't even knew that rule. Because mm. I'm playing Amelia. So Amelia's Joe's niece. She's about mm. 
12 or 13. Mm-hmm. But she's a smart kid. And so we're playing and couldn't let her beat me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the first game, she got me in a bit of trouble. But then luckily I, I fluked the win, actually, to be honest. I didn't really know yeah. what I was doing. And I got, the second game, I kind of dominated Dojo. And then the third game, I was dominated Dojo. Dojo three big games time. of chess. Chess takes a while to play. You must have been playing speed chess. No, we were playing while the Warriors on. So it was kind of just in the background. Mm. And um, so third game... I had it one, mm. and then I thought I'll just trap her so she can't move. Mm. And she goes stalemate. And I go, what do you mean stalemate? She goes, it's a draw. I said, not a bloody draw. I've got <laughs> this game one, and and and, and I said, prove it. I went up, <laughs> went yeah. like that. And then Joel, her dad, came out, pulled out Wikipedia, we drew the game. Mm. I, I didn't even knew that rule. Okay, because I had it one. Yeah, I yeah. Said, God, so I smashed around a little bit, crowded <laughs> Nice. Um, what else is happening? Getting ready for France. Last big right ride yesterday. How'd you go? Good explosion. Good explosion? Yeah. Good day for riding yesterday. Poof. I don't know if the boys were thinking that at, uh, as the sun was coming up. It wasn't that cold yesterday. You were obviously somewhere different than we I were. Was in the, I was in the square. It was, uh, my Garmin will testify that it got uh, to zero and I think it was slower, colder than oh. zero. It was... Murray, we, you know, remember last, I think it was last week, or maybe I said the story about um, the gunshot going off and that giving me the shits. Yes, you did yeah, say that. We were out yeah. riding, and it was duck, duck, duck hunting season. Yep, that's right. Boom! Yeah. Gun went off yep. and gave me the craps. Yesterday, it was Murray. Mar- Mar- what did you do that for? Because we were riding through the, some icy roads, and he nearly fell off his oh, bike. Oh, wow, okay. It was pretty cold, and uh, for a good hour when the sun was coming up, we started at it's about six. It's almost dangerous this time of year. And if you're riding parts where the shadows, you don't get the sun. Yeah, well, it was dark as well, so you can't see the, see the roads. So, yeah, but it was good. Then the sun came out, and it was nice. Spanked a couple of the climbs, but the idea was yes, so we did 140k, but it's only it's the loads of hills, so we're out there for five and a half hours. But the plan was right, I met you know, good, strong tempo pace on the flat, yep. <clears throat> spank the hills, yep. good, strong tempo pace back on the flat, and then see what see what I got left in the tank for the last climb. There's nothing left in the There's tank, there's nothing left in the tank. It's like my road when I brought so, you guys, <laughs> yes. The annoying thing is. This is where the conditions play such a big part of it. So we, we went over, for you guys that came on the IM Talk camp, rode out and went over this hilltop climb, which is uh, about a 25-minute climb. And then you t- go over the top, and we turned around on the other side and came straight back up. So you did a 25-minute climb, descent, turn around, another 25-minute climb. And this is where power meter's great. You know, my time up the other side of the climb was nearly a minute, I think it might have been more than a minute slower than what we did on the IM Talk camp oh really you know i was like spanking it and i was seven or eight watts higher oh wow uh, it's like a minute so so frustrating yeah and other than that bevan it's study for my exam no no i've got an exam week tuesday so i've still got a week of cramming to do exams are fantastic you can get all these people saying you know exams are stupid and it's not a great way for assessing where you're at and i kind of Get that it's not necessarily doesn't show long term understanding. Sorry, it doesn't show long term understanding. But no, what it does, it makes you study, if, and you're just going over and over and stuff, and it makes you learn. The first time I went over all the stuff, I'm like, don't have a clue <laughs> what you were talking about. This is just gobbledygook rubbish. You go back and you look at the second time, you go, oh, actually, some of that's actually starting to sink in, and you just go over and over again. And by the time you get to the exam, even if you cock up the exam through stress, pressure, whatever, you or you don't it. quite get the questions, you kind of hoping you were going to get you've just gone over everything you've learned it all John you're a learning man so it's doing lots of study and then you have a time off after that sorry and then going to epic camp so 
And then we've got, yeah, then back How into it. How long does it take you to do one year, is it? Oh, I'm going to be the eternal student. I'll be there for bloody life. Oh, you're going to have a beard. Yeah. Grow a beard, you yeah. know, like the guy who says at university his whole life. So that's pretty much life at the moment. Training, study, family, and we've got Tommy's got a mate sleeping over tonight. Oh, and, good uh, times. So we'll get home School this holidays. morning. What's well, a holiday? Today's a holiday. We're supposed to be on holiday, Bevan, but we have podcasts. But tonight. Last night. Oh, last so night. So they were in bed, and it's like Tom goes to bed pretty early because he get, wakes up so bloody early in the morning. And uh, and like you go down there and it's eight thirty and they go and they've had the light out for ages just sitting there talking. When do we have to go to sleep? And it's like you're supposed to be asleep an hour ago, you morons. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when you were a kid and your mates were staying, did you, you did mates stay at your house? Yeah, but you've still got to do the parent thing and go and tell them to be quiet. Oh no, you let them you rip. Do. You let them rip. No. Come on. Bevan, you're going on holiday. My, my house was like I'd have ten kids staying at my house when with Tyler was younger because my yeah. my parents always had kids. Like I had a mate, Scott McGrath. Mm. I was mates with him for about, about three years. Stayed at the house once. Mm. He stayed at my house three hundred times in that three years. <laughs> like seriously, and I'm probably not far off the truth. <laughs> and um, and so when Tyler, man, we'd have kids at our house all the time. It'd be crazy. And it's like, oh, let them be kids, John. Fine, let them be kids. Uh, yep, Thailand. I have to say, John, I haven't been busy, but yeah. I've had a lot on my plate. It's fine. <laughs> You've been prioritizing things. I, I well, choosing other things. You man, go. I've, I've not got time for that right now. Every waking minute has been used, and I've been waking a lot more, less sleep than the last period of time. So, jump on the plane tomorrow, heading to Thailand. Very much looking forward to it. Need a break. Looking forward to some sun. Mm-hmm. And as Joe was saying last night, because we love them for the cheap messages. Yeah, I'm going all on the messages. I'm going to do Gosh. the double message again because I told you that, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing a double. Going nice. for the double. I might even try a triple. One person could do my head. Great. One do my back. One do my legs. Not okay, even going to Yeah, okay. <laughs> no no fourth person. No fourth required. <laughs> no fourth required. Anyway, let's wrap it up. We've got to do two more shows. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. kaha.